1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: Hey, dweebs. It's Nina from Already Gone. Before we get into this week's episode, which I am lucky enough to guest host on, you should know that there is some talk of sexual assault. And I know not everyone is comfortable with that topic. So just wanted to give you a heads up so you can make the decision if you want to listen.
1: Welcome to History Dweebs. Now, you're already giggling. Now, stop it. Be professional. Devil. was it wasn't me. Welcome to History <laughs> Dweebs. Oh. Oh, well, that's okay then. Today is another, in honor of Women's Month, today we're doing another Colonel's Threesome with two women and just me. And our guest today is the lovely Nina Instead, hailing from... Tittawabi Michigan. <laughs> Isn't that where you're from?
2: Uh, that would be the Tittawabi <laughs> Tributary. <clears throat> yes.
1: Okay, but I know you was close to there somewhere, right? Oh,
2: yeah.
3: Very close. Okay.
1: Um, And <sighs> as, well, you really need no introduction, but I would just say, how are you today? And tell us about your shows, Nina.
2: I am doing surprisingly well, all things considered. And I've actually been very busy over at Already Gone. I'm trying to put out a couple of extra episodes because I know people are at home and they're worried and they need a little entertainment and distraction.
1: Well, we can do, we can distract with the best stuff. Oh, yes. I believe. Of course. No, distracted
3: is different than distract people. You are distracted,
1: Charles. Well... Before I go any further, we are a uh, true, com- true crime comedy podcast.
2: It's true. And
1: we, <laughs> we do use sometimes strong language. Now, I don't because I'm a... My church has gone to a virtual church in now. <sighs> it's like Joel Osteen. I can log on to the computer and go to the service. Or just log on to the computer and walk away and say I was there. And you can tithe online. It's amazing. Yes, it is. But anyway, I digress. Um,
3: there will be bad language. What was I, Devil?
1: I don't know. We use the yeah, language. We use strong language. If that language is disturbing to you, we have a couple suggestions in this crisis. Um, one, Nina, could you tell them what they could do?
2: Um, they could fuck off.
1: There we go. Don't let the door hit you in your ass. Right. (laughs) Since it's Sunday. Okay, you've been warned.
2: Well, Chuck, it is Sunday, Colonel. Mm -hmm. So don't let the door hit you where the Lord split
1: you. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But yeah, I was. Well, I'm just not going to digress. I'm going to stay on point. I'm going to be professional because we have. uh, (laughs) we, We have the lovely Nina, who's who's been at DweebCon a couple times, and and I would just say we're uh she's been every time because i don't want to i don't want to keep those rumors going i'll just say me and nina are personal acquaintances we're very close would you would you have. yeah describe it as a personal acquaintance yes. so so the other woman uh because this is Woman empowerment month or whatever lady it is lady as the a month other lady or something um and and we wanted you you know when you well we wanted to do something special when you're doing your housework, your vacuuming, you ironing, you cleaning and whatnot what? We wanted to have special episodes just for you, just to make you feel better. You know, whipping up a cake cuz your husband a out there. You know, what? this is my a, fault. Scary world. This is my
3: fault because I thought um, he could do an introduction without, you know, just doing what he's doing right now. This is my fault it's a rookie mistake and I apologize.
1: So, let me introduce our other panelist. Lady. Who really needs no introduction because if she's anywhere in your vicinity, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. And you don't need to say Brandy or the devil's here because you're already... Things in your nether parts are already getting shriveled and tight and your hair's The word you're looking for is tingly. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh how are you devil if at all you know chuck
3: i'm we're okay we're all right we're we're riding this thing out you know we were just talking about you and i are um we're lucky in some ways because we're considered essential employees by i i don't know but so we get to we go to work every day um and get out of the house and go down and get to you know, we hang out, you know, me and you and Tim, because there's not very much going on right now. And, you know, we're kind of quarantined in our little building. And so we're 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 lucky. Noah's, you know, still alive and kicking. And I think that's the best we can hope for at this point is that I
1: haven't killed him yet.
3: So, you know, he, we're we're well, doing we good. Are
1: very fortunate. I will say this is a off the subject number, but. Oh, really? I got a report. Yeah, I got a report Friday. And uh, you go back to two Wednesdays ago, devil. And people know that we work for the state and workforce development. And Two weeks ago, on Wednesday, there were 800 people in Ohio that filed for unemployment. Yeah. And last Wednesday, there were 12,500. Wow. Just in that day that filed for unemployment. So yes, we are very fortunate that we are that we are going to work. That we haven't been ill, yeah. So far, the impact has been minimal to us. But for others, it's not been so. We, and you know, we, we already really wear really...
3: gloves when we go in Chuck's office because God knows what's in there. No, so I, I mean, yeah. So it's not it's not much of a change for us. I wear gloves
1: when I go in my office. Mm-hmm. Not
2: those kind of gloves, I honey. Just...
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Ugh. Uh we well we have a medical place right below us. So. We do. So you can get all the free latex gloves you want.
3: I don't think that's it, but we do have we have a nursing school in our basement. So, you know, worst comes to worst, we still have beds we can sleep in. Oh. We could stay there. We could we could
1: don't, we got don't. vending machines and
2: Don't give them ideas.
1: Yeah, no, we're not staying there. That's true. No. And you you keep your office pretty well stocked. Hell
3: yeah, I do. I've been working. You know, it's, yeah, I do. I do. I keep my office well stocked. I got food in there for snacks and for my staff. And yeah, so a little fridge. We got refrigerators. We got all kinds of shit. There's a toaster oven. I mean, we're in good shape.
1: We we are trying to do our best to help people that need help. Whatever little thing we can do. Lord's work.
2: You're doing the Lord's work.
1: Yes. Well, we are doing the Lord and I try to I try to do the Lord's work every day. <laughs> um Devil Devil has to get a paycheck to do it. That's, you're damn right I do. She just does it grudgingly then, but Yep. But would we like to delve into who we're talking about today? Would you like to tell us about that, Devil? Well, yeah.
3: So today we are talking about Lori Dan. Uh and she was she is kind of fucked up. Um you know, yeah, we've talked about some weird, disturbed women on the podcast before. Ida Wood, uh, Sada Abi, Um She was she was troubled. But Lori Dan is kind of in a league of her own. Um, so are we ready to roll here? We got everybody's comfy and got their coffee and everything. We're ready to go.
2: Let's go. All
3: okay. right. So Lori Dan was born Lori Wasserman the daughter of Norman and Edith Wasserman. She grew up in the neighboring communities of Highland Park and Glencoe, Illinois. Illinois. Um, If you're not from, you know, the S is silent. Uh, It's like I'm taking Tim's part today. Uh, If you're not familiar with Glencoe, it's located north of Chicago, right on Lake Michigan. It's a prestigious suburb. I've been there. Of course you have. Uh, It's a prestigious suburb. Uh, and it's the wealthiest town in Illinois Glencoe was uh the setting of the 1983 Tom Cruise film R- Risky Business and then several scenes from Ferris Bueller's Day Off
1: Yay Ferris You know it's funny you mention Risky it's Business cuz right this moment what I've got is not. a I'm I'm sitting here in a long sleeve blue button down shirt oh. and tidy whities So <laughs> Yeah. I, it's Just like risky business. I'm going to go slide across my floor here in a few Ugh. minutes. All right. Me and Bo like to do that. We got hardwood floors here. We run down the hallway and slide.
3: All right. So her childhood was uneventful, and Lori was described as shy and quiet. She was an average-looking child, but her parents were wealthy and sent her to a plastic surgeon. Yay. Uh, you know. How do you even broach that with you? You know, honey, you're beautiful, but we're going to rearrange your face just a smidge.
1: Uh, it, that's ridiculous. Well, was she really an average looking child? Then? But that's ridiculous. Was she really average. Why would you do I that? Mean, with the other children screaming and just, <laughs> ah, when she went to the playground. What? Because, you know, Taylor pointed this out to me in Chicago, they have signs up. You are beautiful. And he he has a theory that uh, that only makes the ugly people realize that they're really ugly. Uh Wow. That's... No, I mean, if every... There's no such thing as everybody's beautiful. Everybody's beautiful in their own way, but if you keep saying everybody's beautiful, then nobody's beautiful. That's an amazing
3: story that did nothing to add to this podcast.
1: it's really, a, it's really a philosophical question, sure. devils, that you have to struggle so with. So the surgery. Everybody's um, virtuous, nobody's virtuous.
3: Okay. So the surgery. And Nina, do you know um, what age she was when she had this surgery?
2: So she, when we get a little further in the script, you'll see that she changed schools between her sophomore and junior year. And I'm willing to bet that's, that's when the surgery where I, happened.
3: Yeah, because I mean, at that point, I mean, you're still growing into yourself. You're still, you know, because that just, that's ridiculous. So
2: yeah, but Laurie had a lot of jaw. If you look at pictures of her, there's a there's a lot of jaw there.
1: <laughs> now that could be a plus for. She a little. handsome woman. I'm just saying. All right. So.
3: <laughs> a Lot of lot of jaws not always a bad no. thing. So the surgery transformed her from average to attractive. And their daughter I worked for Jay Leno. Well, uh, and their daughter might not have been the smartest or the, moutgo- the most outgoing, but now she was nice looking. She was petite, five three, with straight teeth, long brown hair, and dark eyes. So she's dumb but pretty. That's nice.
1: Well, really, if you, I've
3: got family don't, like don't, that. Don't, so don't okay.
2: do it, Colonel. Don't do it.
3: As
1: Bruce said in Thunder Road.
3: And that's all right with me. Yeah, I've I've got family like that. Uh, Lori did just okay in school. Uh, For high school, she attended the Highland Park High School for her freshman and sophomore years. And then in the summer, between her sophomore and junior year, her parents purchased a luxurious five-bedroom home in Glencoe. So she transferred to a new high school. Um, Despite mediocre grades, upon graduation from New Tier High School... And when Neka in 1975, she was able to go off to college because they'll take anyone. Dan attended Drake University in Iowa. She would transfer to Arizona State University, and while in Arizona, Lori embarked on her first serious romantic relationship of her life. She began dating a fellow student, uh, an unnamed, which kind of sucks for him that his parents didn't love him that much. Undergrad. In the pre-med program. Friends and family thought the relationship was serious. And perhaps this guy was the one. Lucky for him though. He dodged a bullet. Literally. Lori's behavior. Was becoming increasingly bizarre. And unsettling. What the fuck. She was suspicious and controlling of him. And he ended the relationship. But Lori did not handle it well. The breakup happened around the start of her senior year. And rather than soldiering on. To earn those last credits needed for her degree, she packed her things and returned home to Glencoe, Illinois, where her parents were waiting for her. In 1980, Lori enrolled in Northwestern University uh, because she planned to complete her studies there. So, so
1: Well, she couldn't have been a dumb girl because she got into Northwestern.
3: Uh, you know what? That could have been the college admission. That could have been the original college admission scandal
1: you know yeah, somebody paid true. well that's true too her, her parents Yeah, they had a few money blocks. she
3: could have gone wherever
1: that, that's how i got tanner into loyola with all your money with all Physical. with all of uh, mrs yeah. Colonel's money yeah i well we gave a $75 donation to the alumni nice piece. that's all it took huh
2: that's very generous so sweet all right brandy carry on
3: all right uh Lori was, oh, hold on. We, we skipped something here. Well, that's Nina's story and she can tell it if she wants or not. We don't pry. <laughs> well, Charles.
2: Okay. So when I was 19, so college age, I started dating a doctor that I worked with at the hospital and my mom was so freaking happy about it. Like she had everything planned out cause I was dating this doctor. Um, I think he and I might have gone on three, maybe four dates, and he was—he was very nice. He was tall and nice-looking, and but he wasn't like we weren't compatible like at all. So I ended the relationship, and I honestly think that my family was more upset about that than I was, because they like had this whole like, oh, he's a doctor, and he was actually, ironically, from Arizona.
3: Oh, nice!
1: Just like Lori's doctor. Well well, so do you ever do you ever do this hateful thing that women do sometimes? Throw up to your current spouse. You know, I could have married a doctor. No. Okay, <laughs> that's that's very good no. because that's hurtful.
2: I like my husband. I wouldn't do that.
1: Good Lord, Chuck! You you have you have an excellent husband.
2: I do. I do. I'm very lucky.
1: You have. You sometimes tell me what he's. Whipping up for dinner, and I'm like, "Oh my lord, sweet Jesus!" Well, and
2: you know, I've been posting Quarantini's my evening cocktails, and that's Very all nice. him. Mm-hmm. He plans cocktails for each night, so we have a nice drink.
3: You know, at some point, you're going to have to quit posting those because your nails are going to get raggedy as fuck.
2: Shh, that's not going to
3: happen. Ech. Well. <laughs> raggedy we're gonna to know what
1: color your hair is here soon
3: <laughs> i know that's and that's you, the scary thing i, I got to pluck an my own eyebrows
2: box of lady clarel oh so I'll be
3: fine. yeah well i gotta pluck my own eyebrows like an animal now and i'm not very oh good God. at it well brandy i'll overpluck.
2: not to pluck them you could just yeah. start inventing things and you'll be fine
3: evidently i just it's bad it's How? a bad scene
1: Nina, how often do you get your hair cut?
2: Probably three times a year.
1: (laughs) Just three times a year that you actually go to the the lady and get your hair cut? Yeah. Okay. How about you, devil?
3: Oh, gosh. Just kind of whenever I get around to it or I think about it. It's not very often.
1: Every three weeks here. Well. Every three weeks. Mrs. Colonel gets
3: her
2: hair cut every three weeks
1: every 3 weeks. Wow. So?
2: Wait. Cut or colored?
1: I'm not he really doesn't sure know. what goes on that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably just I, colored. She might even have a boyfriend, I don't know. She might is she just saying she's going to get her hair It's combed. probably
3: colored. I don't know what. It's probably colored. That's what that's what you need to cuz your hair's not going to grow that much in 3 weeks, but it, Mm-mm. you know, you will start showing some roots.
2: Oh yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, let's see. So, Lori was working toward becoming a high school teacher because she was, you know, obviously emotionally stable enough to do that. Uh, But she was not in a good place emotionally, and she would drop out of Northwestern. Uh, She never did complete the requirements to earn her degree. In 1981... Oh, Chuck, you remember 1981?
1: I was a junior in high school. I was wearing... uh... (laughs) I was in first grade. T-shirts, blue jeans. I had I did I never did have really a mullet cuz my hair was just naturally kind of No, you had, anyway. sure. yeah. you had a mullet for
3: sure. I've seen pictures. You had a mullet.
1: Well, that's just the way my hair grew. Uh-huh. I was uh, yeah. smoking Marlboros and uh, had a 74 Red Nova. I was I was really Yeah, I I kind of I, I really think I peaked about that time, don't I? I? I would agree. I was
3: in first grade, so I very, yeah. mell, I very well peaked as well. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> it's all been downhill from yeah. there. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Things weren't looking good for Miss Lori Wasserman. Her college boyfriend was in med school, pursuing his dreams, and she was living at home with her parents, unable to complete her undergrad work. So... He still didn't have a name. He still didn't have a name. Love his heart, but soon enough it wouldn't matter because mm-hmm. after his no name would be MD. So it doesn't matter at that point.
1: No, that's true. At um, one time I went through I went through the desert on a double, horse with no name. Uh, on a horse with no that's name. That's amazing. What you, you know? You know what bothers me about that song? I, I can't imagine. At some point, come up with a goddamn name for the horse. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, you're going through the desert. It's two, three days in the. I mean, what? It's just rude to not even give the horse a name. I don't know. You're not even talking to the horse. I,
3: I, you know, next time we run into Kansas, we'll ask them.
2: No, no, that was, that was America. That was
1: actually oh, America. It was America. Sorry, yeah. sorry. God, learn your classic rock. Devil. Sorry. Well, you know, Kansas, but America. At some point, they're kind of the same in that thing. Name the goddamn horse. Give him a name. It's just rude. Well, maybe his maybe his name was no name.
2: You know, if they ever start having concerts again we can go protest.
3: We should, definitely. Yeah. On horses. I think we should. On horses. Yes. All right. So Lori was undecided about her future. I don't know if it was as much undecided as undecided for her. Uh Lori took a summer job as a waitress. ...at the Green Acres Country Club in Northbrook, Illinois. It was there that she met Russell Dan, the son of a predominant Highland Park family. Dan was drawn to Lori, because he loves the crazy, Uh. uh, and he would propose to her in Boca Raton, Florida, while they were vacationing at her parents' second home. Lori Wasserman and Russell Dan were married in September of 1982. The wedding was small. While Russell Dan had a large family and many friends, Lori was an only child and had few friends to call on for her big day. Uh, Lori's father gifted the newlyweds $15,000. Fuck. Which is about $40,000 yeah. in today's
1: dollars. See, Have you ever seen the chart, the the hot, crazy Matrix? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's she's who this chart was made for it sounds like well, because you got to remember she's had the plastic surgery and and I can't imagine that they just stopped at the you know stopped at the neck <laughs>
3: if you know, you're going to do
1: plastic surgery go full monty
3: here. I have always you know wondered I, mean? I have always wondered when you see man when you see a woman that you know is just off the beam and I mean not just a little I mean like full on can't even see saying in the rearview mirror. What in your mind mm-hmm. makes you say, you know what? She's the one for me. She may kill me in well, my sleep, but
1: hey. It's not so much she's the one for me. It's more, I'm a risk it. Are yeah, Yeah, I'm a risk it. I know she's crazy, but you know what? I mean, look at her. I'm a risk it. And it never turns out well. No. Never turns out well. I mean, they... And you know that going in. I... You know going in. Ugh. I don't just... I don't get
3: it. So, Lori's mental health was somewhat stable at this point, but after the wedding, things began to go a bit downhill. Uh, While Dan purchased a large, expensive home for them, Lori showed no interest in decorating it. She was incapable of completing basic household tasks like laundry or preparing meals, but she grew up rich, so she may not have had that skill set. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah, that's true.
3: Uh, after a long day at work, Russ would come home to find his wife on the sofa staring at the television, wet laundry hidden in random drawers, and instead of his dinner in the microwave, he would find Lori's cosmetic stash there. Dave sees
1: that when he comes. Okay, home now too. What? I'm I'm <laughs> just trying to figure this out My here. Bad. Because you get, okay, you got wet laundry, right? Yep. Uh-huh. You pull it out of the washing machine. Yeah. Now, what is right next to the washing machine? Well, they may not have They're had one. It.
3: You got to remember, this is like in the 80s. They may not have had one. She may have had to line dry them, which is a lot of work. You take that wet laundry out and hang the it fuck up. fuck?
1: It was the 80s. We ain't talking about taking them down I, to the rock and, I, r- I creek and and I, know, rock. and I
3: assume they were they were well-to-do, but still, yes. what if she had to take it outside and hang it
1: on a line? It's a lot of work. No, she didn't have to do that, I can guarantee it. But her it was soaps more were on. to put them in the drawer than it was to put them in the dryer. Days of dryer Our Lives was, right was on.
2: Right, and you couldn't, Guiding there was light. no like TiVo back then, you couldn't her yes.
3: shit? She could have missed no, her story. you had to be there. You had to be there. General no, Hospital. she could
1: have VCR'd it. No. She could have recorded her shows. First of all, nobody could
3: really figure out how to Those I had to have my brother, you know, figure out the VCR. My parents had to have my brother figure out the VCR. But here's the thing. If her stories are on, then, you know, maybe that's why she just shoved the wet clothes in the drawer. And, you know, you always have to have your cosmetics stashed someplace where they're accessible. The microwave was probably where she was close to. I'm just saying. She was also... And this I don't understand with her cosmetics in the microwave. She was also showing signs of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. So. I actually,
2: I want to talk about this because wasn't you'll, hear, you'll hear people say, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm OCD about that. It has to be this way. And OCD is not a personality trait or quirk, actual no. obsessive compulsive disorder is debilitating. It can interfere with a person's ability to live their life each day. And some of the symptoms of OCD, um, intrusive thoughts that can't be ignored. Um, And in some people who have OCD, these thoughts lead to unwanted routines and behaviors that are rigid. Like if they don't wash their hands or if they don't do things a certain way, it's upsetting and distressing to them.
3: Yeah, like flipping on and off the light switch and all that kind of stuff
2: right or making well, sure the door is locked repeatedly
3: yeah like five times yeah
1: the in and, and the that's part of the outward behaviors but the worst part of that and and I will say this because I have had that diagnosis um is the intrusive thoughts yeah and what they do it's kind of like a cassette that plays over and over and over and over and over and over in your head and you can't break that thought, and it's uh, it's for me it's not debilitating because I've I've learned over the years how to deal with it through you know meditation, professional help, meditation, and but no, but it it can essential be oils. It, it really can it can almost freeze you because you get focused on one thing, um, and you can't focus on anything else. It's like you're you're living inside your head and nowhere else. So, yeah, if anybody's ever suffered from that, it's, it's no fun. I can tell you that much. No,
2: it's serious.
1: Yeah. Lori? <clears throat> yes, it's a, um, um, but Prozac is pretty effective for that, so. Jeez. I just keep eating pills. There you well, go.
2: They they did not have, have Prozac until the early 90s. So, when Lori started showing these symptoms, there really wasn't a medication like that. Lori's husband noticed that she would tap her foot when the car stopped for a traffic light. She also washed her hands repetitively. <clears throat> Sorry, she also washed her hands repetitively, and after a time, she would not leave the house, not even with her husband. He loved her, but he couldn't go on this way. So, in October of 1985, Russ moved out of their home and got an apartment nearby. Almost immediately, Russell and his family began receiving repetitive hang up phone calls. In April of nineteen eighty six, Lori Dan went to the police to report that Russell had broke into her parents' home where she now lived and vandalized it. Police took a report, but nothing came of it. A few days after she filed the report, Lori Dan purchased a three hundred fifty seven Magnum.
3: Smart move.
2: Yeah. Smart when move. police learned of the purchase, they strongly suggested that she not have access to the weapon. But her father refused to confiscate the gun and said he would make sure it was secure in a safe. And make a note of this, because this is going to come back up later.
3: I think we've established that her parents don't make good decisions either. Oh, Plastic surgery in high school.
2: Yeah. In September of 1986, someone broke into the apartment of Russell Dan and stabbed him once in the chest with an ice pick. Dan ah. survived the attack, right? Like horror movie shit.
3: Somebody basic instincted his ass. Yes. Jeez Louise. Before
2: basic instinct. Right! He survived, but barely. The ice pick missed his heart by inches. Police investigated the attempted murder, and Dan told them about his mentally unbalanced wife and how he moved into the apartment as the divorce was processed. So after this... So
1: Dan did not see who stabbed him it he couldn't recall He's probably asleep he was, yeah
2: he was asleep
3: yeah you would
1: think that shit will wake you up though well yeah, yeah but, but, but that like, doesn't mean he saw her right he was asleep yeah but it ain't i'm just saying you can't stand in the doorway and stab somebody in the chest with ice picks. here's the thing i mean that's a up close and personal
3: thing. no here's the thing so think about when you're asleep at night like i sneak in your house and punch you in the face couldn't happen. Well, it (laughs) couldn't, couldn't happen. Hypothetically. We're just, (laughs) we're just saying.
1: So, so I. No,
3: I see. uh, Okay, you're going to need to settle the fuck down. I'm
1: one of those people. I sleep on high alert. Of course you do. I sleep on high alert all the time. That's (sighs) why I hear about people sleeping. I don't know what, you know, I know devil you sleep naked. I I, I won't ask you, Nina, because that's a personal question. Me. Oh, I got to be. I got to go to bed. Dress for battle in case a burglar comes. In. Okay, so let's because you don't want to be wrestling. Nothing, nothing worse can happen. <laughs> so you sleep like in jumping a out of jacket. bed naked. Yeah, yeah. He sleeps sleep, in full camo. I sleep with sweatpants on, and I sleep with a t-shirt on. And if a burglar comes into my house, because I don't want, I don't want my junk all flopping around if I got to wrestle with a
3: burglar. <laughs> you don't want a dick dick slap anybody here's the thing there's a couple of things (laughs) Exactly. first of all you live on the west side so you actually really should be sleeping on high alert second of all I do I know second of all so let's just pretend that I come into your house while you're asleep and I punch you in the face now as it's been well established I'm a I'm a little jukey and I can move in and out very quickly like a ninja it's been established so I punch you in the face and then I run out like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even, and you look and, you know, Renee's sound asleep beside you. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know who it was necessarily. You might have, you know, an idea that, you know, well, Brandy said she was going to come over and punch me in the face. But you wouldn't know it was me because you didn't see me because I'm juky, And well, I go to sleep in camo and you would never see me. First of all, Bo
1: there. and Rudy would have most oh of the shredded will you, from listen, bones before Dave, you got there. Listen to me, Dave.
3: But, we're just doing, we're saying this is a hypothetical. I don't need to go through every motherfucking contingency. What if I trip over one of your stupid things in the floor? What if this happens? What I'm just saying. I don't want to go
1: through all the hypotheticals. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, getting stabbed in the goddamn chest with an ice uh, pick would tend to wake you up yes. quickly and you'd open your eyes saying, who in the fuck just stabbed me with an ice pick? And they're pick? already gone. When you hear the little pitter-patter of feet running out the nope. door.
3: And you're already... I just don't and understand. she's already gone. I think he's going to set up his wife. Yeah, hey, thank you. No problem. Yeah. She's gone by then. She stabs him and leaves. She didn't stay there hanging out on top of him, just repeatedly stabbing him. She Correct. stabbed him it in the was chest. Fun. And she motored out. Yep. You know, and maybe he's a heavy right. sleeper. But I don't so, need every contingency. You're killing me.
2: Following this incident, a store clerk came forward to say she had sold an ice pick to Laurie just days before the murder. So there's no that. That seems right?
3: suspicious. With yeah.
2: no witnesses placing Lori at the scene, police will issue polygraphs to both Russell and Lori. And as an aside, do either of you own an ice pick?
1: God, No. no. No, you yeah. don't. I got an ice pick for what? I got I got a pickaxe. I would have just stabbed him with the oh, pickaxe.
3: Fuck the because then he would have
1: been stuck to the bed. I you know, but yeah, I do have an ice. Nobody pick. Nobody has an ice I pick. Like, you have an awl. No, I've got an ice pick—the kind that you break up cubes of ice. No, I understand really, what I like an
3: the, ice pick is for. Cool.
1: Well, uh, you know, we. I was at a yard sale one. Do you day have one because you like one the one, rough but, edges? When you this break the block, this is very cool, and ain't that the truth? And I could, mm. and I went home and I cleaned it up and polished it. And <laughs> I just, I liked having it. What? Oh my god! I don't know. I got, I got the Chinese throwing stars. I got, you know, I'm preparing for this apocalypse. Well, it's here. Who's laughing now? If somebody comes here, you're gonna. First of all, you're gonna be met. If if you come here and try to steal my toilet paper, you're gonna be met with two, you know, hounds from hell. And yes. then, if you get past me with an ice pick, you know, then I got all other weapons of destruction that are, I can deal with you. Because we don't know that society's not just going to completely break down here. You're are you so going to talk them? should all be prepared so and confident. have ice picks. Are you going to
3: talk them to death? Are you going to become friends? Because <laughs> that's what I see more than you <laughs> I, having an ice pick.
1: Well, you know, you know. Have you noticed what's not going on during this whole thing? What? What? What did not happen yesterday? What? On Saturday, there was no people knocking on the door trying to sell you pamphlets.
3: Sell me pamphlets? Think about that,
1: mm-hmm. huh? No, I've never bought yeah. an ice pick. This Nina. is keeping even the Jehovah Witnesses in the house. I've never bought an That's ice how pick. Bad it is.
2: I have never bought an ice pick either. And I would think that a screwdriver would work just as well as an ice pick. That's why I'm saying. Phillips versus flat, you know, that's sort of a dealer's choice type thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, Chuck, do you want to talk about how Russell Dan failed his polygraph?
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting here. Um, In a bizarre twist... Russell Dan failed his polygraph, but apparently he was lying about being stabbed in the chest with an ice pick, I suppose. Even though the wound was gaping and bleeding, he made that up. I don't know. But Lori passed hers. Because she is a psychopath. One of the doctors who examined Dan after the attack speculated that he could have stabbed himself. After all, he wasn't badly injured. And police decided not to charge Lori Dan in the incident.
3: Jesus
1: now polygraphs I I don't know the ins and outs of polygraphs and I've never been hooked up to one so I can't tell you how uh, how really I find that hard to believe they are in deciphering but back in the I know back in the 80s they used to polygraphs were gold they believed everything oh, yeah yeah you know, if, if your polygraph came back and there's certain personality traits like sociopaths who tend to do pretty well on polygraphs yeah and there's other people who are the problem with polygraphs is well i'm preaching to the choir because you know far more about me than polygraphs nina yeah because you work with the police so much is if you have a little bit of a high strung personality you don't do too well on polygraphs either
2: Well, it was in the late 80s that they figured out that polygraphs should not be the gold standard of guilt or innocence. I think it was 88, 89 that they said, "Eh, you know what, we're not going to accept passing or failing a polygraph to determine if somebody is guilty or innocent. And today you still use polygraphs, but if I can say it's part of an investigative package, it's not just the polygraph
1: just part of the package. Right. It's part of the the investigative what? I'm sorry.
2: Package.
3: Oh, for fuck's sake. Package. I watch him him do polygraphs on Maury. It's amazing.
1: Love it.
2: Come on. Are you going to continue here, Kurt? Yeah, go
1: ahead. No, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Okay. In 1986, about the same time someone broke into Russell Dan's apartment and stabbed him in the chest, Lori thought it was time to look up her college sweetheart the this is before doctor. Facebook.
3: I mean, it's a bad idea, but this was before oh, yeah. Facebook. So she oh, had to yes. put a lot of effort into it.
2: When she finally connected with the nice pre-med student she dated while at Arizona State University, she learned he was married, and she began sending letters to him and his family. She told him that she was pregnant with his child, which was ridiculous because she hadn't seen him in five years.
3: It happens. It's sure. a latent pregnancy.
2: Sure. And Lori mm-hmm. called the hospital where he worked to say that while she was in the hospital emergency room, the doctor, the unnamed doctor, sexually assaulted her. Jesus. So yeah. So the doctor calls the police and gets a lawyer involved, and eventually Lori's parents are contacted and told that the harassment needs to stop and it puts an end to her bizarre and distressing behavior.
3: In this but instance. Yeah. In
2: this instance, for this little window. Right. But, in addition to placing all these calls to her college boyfriend, she was also, allegedly, responsible for dozens, if not hundreds, of phone calls placed to the family of her former husband, Russell Dan. And at one point, they did arrest Lori for the harassment, but they dropped the charges because of lack of evidence. In 1987, Lori Dan told the police that Russell, her soon-to-be former husband, had, quote, raped her with a steak knife
3: you know and oh there's there should be uh, right i share all of that sentiment but that's pretty easy to prove or disprove
2: i mean she was given a physical exam which showed that mm -hmm. she had not been assaulted there we go they give her a lie detector test and guess what she passed she passed
3: it because she's a psycho
2: so police go to her parents, like, I'm sure the police were like, what the fuck, dude, help us out here. Right. Um, and the parents say that Lori is under the care of a psychiatrist for obsessive compulsive disorder and a chemical imbalance. And my guess is that if today she was receiving treatment for her mental health issues, the diagnosis would probably be more complicated than OCD and a chemical imbalance.
3: Psycho and I'm not bitch. saying that
2: with, yeah, I'm not saying that with any judgment, um,
3: i
1: right. am judging oh.
3: psycho psycho bitch
1: mm-hmm. in my uh in my vast experience in the mental bitches field, be crazy yeah uh that yeah that's exactly what i was, she has the bitches be crazy disorder that was probably yes. written on her police file somewhere bitches be crazy yeah, yeah. it probably it's in was the dsm4 now <laughs> oh you know it's going to be in the next yeah you just got to look real hard. They used to call borderline personality. Just Now it's just bitches be crazy. Good God. So in, and, and, and it should be like that in honor of Women's Month. They should have their own oh, special Colonel. thing. Oh, their own special diagnosis. The bitches
3: be crazy diagnosis. You should have stopped. So just stop.
2: In May of 87, after four years of marriage, the divorce is finalized, and Lori received a settlement of $125,000. Which is almost three hundred thousand dollars in two thousand twenty money.
3: She made all right for a girl who kept her cosmetics in the microwave.
2: Right. Well,
1: that was that was a pretty good investment by her dad.
2: That's right. She'd given
1: that dowry of forty thousand, now she comes back with one hundred twenty-five.
2: Yep, yeah, tripled that money. So Lori left yeah, the marriage. all She had
1: to do was stab somebody in the chest for it. Ugh. I'd
2: stab somebody. Wait, never mind. Um Lori left the marriage, she moved back I've home done with her parents, for less. but she kept her name, Lori Dan. Oh
3: I'm sure she was excited Russell was very excited about that.
2: I bet he was. So as a parting gift to her ex husband, in May of nineteen eighty seven, she called the police to say that Russell Dan left an incendiary device in the home she shared with her parents. And the wording is interesting because an incendiary device is meant to start a fire.
1: Yeah. She got full he got full Navy SEAL on her now. Yeah. <laughs> He's just... Yeah.
3: Whatever. God. Ugh. All right.
2: So I don't normally sympathize with one side in the divorce or the other because it takes two people to make a marriage work, blah blah blah. Um, but in this case, Russell Dan went through hell and then some neuro- during his marriage to and divorce from Lori. And in an odd twist, he did remarry. And his second wife's name, Lori, L-O-R-I. L-O-R-I. Ah. So when they got married, um, it was decided that she'd keep her maiden name.
3: It's probably and smart. Smart yeah. move. Yeah.
2: So Jesus. it's 1987. Lori Dan is 30 years old. She's freshly divorced and she needs something to do. She's bored. So she decides to try babysitting.
3: Jesus God.
2: Gets, yeah. Oh, it gets better. Um, she puts flyers up at the Glencoe Library and the Corner Grocery Store and starts getting calls for work. So she starts working at different homes, and there are several bizarre incidents. These include leather sofas being sliced open, rugs being cut apart, and garage door openers going missing. And can I just Ugh. say what a bitch it is to replace a garage door opener? Oh, I'm like sure. especially in the 80s? Ugh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's just rude, right? I mean, there's 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 some things. I mean, you stab somebody in the chest with an ice pick; they just sew that back that up shit and move on, up. right? Right. But a garage door opener, shit, that take you six, eight months to replace.
2: And you got to go to Sears.
1: Ugh, you got to go to Sears. You got to get a program. They and then they treat you like you're stupid. Wouldn't it just be easier to buy a whole new garage door opener?
2: Probably, but that's still what a pain in the ass. Oh, for sure. So,
1: to buy a new house. Right. Lori
2: says she has no idea how these things happened. It wasn't her and her Wasn't parents, me? Don't look at me. me. not me? it. Her parents step in and offer a financial restitution for the damaged items.
3: Her parents are a problem.
2: Yes. So Lori's... They're
1: enablers. They're enablers. They yes, they are.
2: So the babysitting's not going so good. So she decides she's going to go back to college, and she enrolls at Northwestern. And her father got her a dorm room on campus. But who thinks this is going to go well? Anyone?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well,
1: yeah, I think a roommate's in for some. Well, first oh, no, of no. all, Probably. how are you 30 years
3: old and get a dorm room? Yeah, it's like that Rodney Dangerfield movie. <laughs> yeah. School. School. When he goes back to school. Yeah. How do yeah. you, 30 years old and you get a dorm room? Fuck. Ugh.
2: So, Lori's behavior surprise is bizarre and disturbing she got raw meat and what the fuck where do you find raw meat on a college campus and she would hide it in the couch cushions in the common areas she of would also she did. yeah she would also collect garbage and put it in students mailboxes and the university called her parents and said please come get her her dorm room was so filthy and filled with bad food and Um, this is really gross. She would regularly pee on the floor in her dorm
3: room. Sober. So,
2: yeah, she would sleep in her car because her room stunk so badly. And it's thought that once again, her parents got out their checkbook and made it go away. Good Lord. So Lori moves back home. And again, she's babysitting and she's back to damaging furniture and stealing food
3: Do those people not talk? Like the people that are hiring her, I assume. You know, you're in this little Glencoe reference. Yeah, Yeah. you're in this little Glencoe, Illinois. I'm sure these people talk.
1: What the fuck, dude? Who's hiring her? And it's like, well, I'm gonna need three references, and she gives. Well, she may or may not have stabbed me in the chest with a ice pick. (laughs) Right. I'm not really sure. Convicted? Um, Never convicted. But yeah. She left wet laundry and the thing. Um you know, and then oh yeah, the other lady well, you know, other than the fact that she used to put spoiled ground beef under my couch cushions. Right. You know, she was okay. And tear up my good I leather mean, how- couch. So Ew, it's just that,
3: and you know, back in the eighties, they still that's had what shag the carpet. With
1: these millennials are, oh
3: yeah, shag yeah, carpet. oh shag carpet. You know that shit holds everything, oh, yeah. everything. You know they still had shag carpet. You know she was pissing on that stuff. You know she was leaving food. Oh, oh yeah. nasty. So,
2: Chuck, remember how you talked about like the crazy sort of draws you in because you know it's going to be a good couple of weeks. So the Mm-mm, summer yeah. of oh, eighty-seven. Yeah. Lori is back in Evanston, near the campus of Northwestern. Her dad got her an apartment there, and Lori Good idea. was known to hang out at the fraternities. And it's possible she was romantically linked to some of these frat boys.
3: Well, she would spend her time riding yeah. the elevators. Yes, and you know, and I'm not judging her for that because who amongst us has not spent a day and a half riding an elevator? You know, up and well, down.
1: It, just me. Okay. You. It, it, it's just you see them. Um, it's a uh, it's really a Darwinian thing because you see the women and you know that this is going to end back. Basically, it's it's like a whitewater rafting trip on places. They tell you no matter what you do, don't get in that part of the river. And when once they tell you that, you got to go on that part of the river because you got to see what it's like, and you got to say, "Yeah, I did that." <laughs> but why? And you know, it's going to end up with you laying broken on some rock and drowning. But yeah, but you know, the waves and the 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 rush of adrenaline and just dealing with it—you know—it's just live in the moment. Well, you got yeah. It's it's the whole YOLO thing, uh, you know, and it's uh, not
3: that. <laughs> It's not that at all, but you
1: know, and and I will say okay, that when Boomer. I was in college, there were times that uh, that I would meet a particular female. You were only in college for twenty minutes, literally. <laughs> no, I was in college for two years, mm. two full years, until so they told me I was <laughs> well. Anyway, <laughs> washed up and yeah. Uh, anyway, and and. Some of these girls were attracted to you know, if you played the a sport, yeah, the and, mullet, uh, and you knew they was crazy, but and and you knew that at any given moment they might just punch you in the side of the head for something. Sure. You know I mean there was, or se- try to set your car on fire, <laughs> or do whatever,
2: steal your kidney but, and leave you in a bathtub
3: full of ice. Sure, sure,
1: <laughs> exactly. It's a risk but, he was willing to take. The problem is is you're 19, 20 years old, you're full of testosterone, and it's telling your brain. No, that looks like a good bet. Is it telling
2: your brain, though? You know.
1: Risk it. Well, yes. Which brain? It's not really telling your brain that, but you're thinking. It's like playing poker, and you get delta 2 and a 4, and you think, you know, I can. uh, Yeah, you know I'm going to risk it. I I feel good about this hand. I'm going to risk
3: it. But here's the thing. Not to stop this story that I totally intended to stop, but um, the her parents keep sending her back. Like, so at what point does the college say, "No, stop! She's banned well, from the campus. She can't come on at the this campus time, anymore." She's
2: living in an apartment near the campus, and she right, wasn't enrolled in classes.
3: She's riding the elevators. She's ended up in all these. Like, at what point? I mean, her parents keep sending her away, which I totally get. But they keep sending her just you know, oh yeah, I know you had problems at Northwestern, so we'll just get you a, an apartment beside campus because that's what the problem was. That's the problem, I mean, come on, freaking! oh my God, these parents, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, see,
1: and you you're leaving you leave with these ladies and 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 you know there's trouble because. On the way to wherever you're going, they have to stop. And it's like, well, we got to stop here and get a jar of peanut butter. We got to go to the hardware store and get a little. And they're trying to eat spoons. their own face
3: while you're driving in the car.
1: What? Yeah, it, I mean, you know, it's going to turn out badly, but. I'm a risk it. Ugh.
3: Well, so
2: Brandy, would you like to talk about Lori in November of 87?
3: So Looney Lori was being managed by a psychiatrist during this time. But in November of 1987, not long after her 30th birthday, oh, God damn these people, her parents moved her to student housing in Madison, Wisconsin. She's 30 in a dorm. Please stop, people. She also started... she kept
1: pissing on the carpet at home. Well... They had to get her out of the house. Then
3: put some little puppy pads down. But, you know, she's (laughs) your responsibility. Uh, She also started several new treatment techniques... She saw a new psychiatrist, worked with a behavioral therapist, and began taking clomipramine. Oh, close enough. Yes, I was very close. And anofranil anaf- Oh, anafranil, anafranil, That's what I said. Clomipramine, Clim- anafranil. Yeah, that's amazing. You did so much better. Uh, according to well, our favorite I've, physician, I've taken
1: them both, devil. According to I'm our, f- taken them both.
3: Yeah. According to our favorite physician, Dr. Google... Oh, not WebMD? mm, Clonophramine is used to treat OCD, and it's an antidepressant. Uh, Surprisingly, the new treatments didn't seem to help, because Lori was still an asshole, and still riding the elevators for hours at a time, flipping TV channels rapidly, and it was thought that she could have an eating disorder. Uh, In December of 1987... She decided to buy herself a gift, and stopped by the local du- gun store where she selected a twenty two Beretta. All great ideas. Hmm. Yep. In in March, wonder what happened to a
1: .357 Magnum. Well,
2: well, her, her dad it up, right? Right,
3: yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, in March of 1988, Lori stopped attending her appointments with her psychiatrist and therapist. God, who could have seen that coming? Uh, her psychiatrist and her father tried to persuade her to check herself into the hospital for inpatient treatment. But Lori said, nah, I'm good. Nah, fam. Nah, yeah. While in Wisconsin, Lori, Lori resumed her pattern of making repetitive hang-up calls to her college boyfriend, the nice doctor that she dated while in Arizona State. Oh, my God, move on. Right? With Lori in Wisconsin and her ex in Illinois, the calls were crossing state lines, and the FBI became involved. About time. Uh, an indictment is drawn up, but the ex-boyfriend, either afraid of Lori, ding-ding, or afraid of garnering headlines, gets cold feet. She's making. Uh, she was making additional threats to people in Tucson, and the FBI became involved, and they advised law enforcement in Madison, Wisconsin, that something was wrong with Lori Dan. Yeah. What? That... Well, and those are the hardcore detectives that figure shit out really quickly. Right. They, you know, hey, there might be something they, wrong they with They called him Rizzoli and Owls. They that sure one. did. Matlock, yeah. yeah, all of that. Uh, she's, they, and they suspected that she owned a gun. Well, she actually owned three guns and an ice pick. So she's armed to the teeth and ready to roll. During the first few days of May, 1988, Lori flexes her communication skills Sending a letter to the hospital where her ex is employed. Good gravy. Uh, And she again accuses him of sexually assaulting her at the hospital. Days later, a janitor in the building where she lives entered the garbage room where he finds Lori Dan laying on the floor under a trash bag, curled in a fetal position. Her parents are contacted, and Lori Dan returns to Glencoe, Illinois, where she never should have left. Um... The day after she returns to her parents' home in Illinois, the FBI arrive in Madison, Wisconsin, to talk to her about death threats. Well, uh, while yeah, while back at home, Lori becomes domestic. Uh, she never managed to cook food for her husband, Russell Dan, while they were married. But now she's baking and mixing and preparing things left and right. Now she's just fucking Martha Stewart. Right. Uh, this includes Rice Krispie treats that she delivers to the fraternity houses in Evanston. Oh, they were right. very special treats and not in a good way. When Lori, when Lori was in Madison, Wisconsin, she'd done a fair amount of shoplifting. Well, you know we all have hobbies. Right. She stole clothes, wigs, and hit up the hardware store where she stole packages of arsenic. Oh, perfect. The treats were laced with arsenic, and fortunately, they tasted terrible. And if anyone tried them, they might have a bite or two before throwing the item away. While the poison snacks were dangerous, they were so nasty, no one wanted to eat them, and no one was injured in her attempts to poison them. Back at home, Lori. Okay.
1: What? I got to say, I just did a Google image search. Yeah, um, I'm a risk it I'm a risk <laughs> it really yeah she was she was, She had that uh, kind of Katie Couric look you know but she had the short half the bob cut a lot of jaw cut. though right Katie lot, a lot of jaw but it, and I didn't get to see below the neck but I am imagine she had some work done there too so yeah she was one of those that you would think and, and she has this kind of uh Oh, She's not.
3: No. No. Oh, No. Oh no. Yeah. No. You
1: got to find the right pictures of her. You can't get a mug shot. That's not that one. Not the what? one you find on the Wikipedia. Actual
3: hell, Chuck. Look no. some other people. Pic-
1: no, because she looks kind of quiet. And those are the ones that are just absolutely crazy.
3: No. Right. No. She you can, is you can absolutely tell crazy. Oh no.
1: No, I mean once they once you get them rolling, you ah. know, once you get them back to the apartment, they're they're crazy. She is kind of
3: uh she is kind of got that Jay Leno jaw. Yes, but there's
2: a lot of jaw. rumor Willis.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. jaw, but I'm curious because you know there's nothing like she, they didn't make her better with this plastic surgery. Like she Are was you sure? eh,
1: oh, she's an attractive woman.
3: Eh not seeing it. Not seeing it. Nope, oh, not I, worth
1: it. I, well, you got to remember, you got to remember back in the day, what people looked like back in the day. And back in the day, she would have been one that was,
3: that no. you would have thought, oh, she's
1: attractive. And then you would have sensed the crazy and you would have thought, oh, I'm all in now. No. No.
3: Nope, I'm out. Um. But anyway... So she's cooking shit. She's lacing stuff with arsenic. And she decides that she wants to return to babysitting because that's her calling. Mm. Uh, She pays a visit to a family she'd worked for previously who should fucking know better. Uh, Is it the Ruchet family?
2: I'd say Rush, but Rush. Is it
3: still Rush? Uh, Rush is fine. Uh, And they asked if they needed her services. Family says, "Mm, we're about to move out of state. So no, we're good. I wonder if they just made that up, but I guess not. Lori offers to take their two children to a county fair the next day, and the parents, who are in the middle of a big move and evidently don't want to move actually with their children, agree that it would be nice and a getaway for the kids and some free time for the busy parents. And she tells them she'll be back at 9 o'clock the next morning. Charles?
1: Now, see, and I just want to add another thought. Oh, good. You know how women are often... I don't know about you, Nina. Devil, I, I can't even begin to try to go get into what goes on in your brain. But you know how women are sometimes attracted to the bad boys. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know how that goes, right? Yeah. So with men, with especially young men, and and you you're starting to date or whatever, whatever you kind of you kind of negotiating the ground rules as to what you know. When you when you hit the bedroom, what are the what are the boundaries? You know what I mean. What are, what will you do? What won't you do? What are your hard nose? What are, yeah? Once she says, you know what? I stabbed a motherfucker in the chest with an ice pick. I'm down for anything. See, that's the draw for to women like that. That's the appeal to women like that. She stabbed somebody in the chest with an ice pick. She's down for anything. That's our that's our downfall, really. Wow. So can because you- our, our our survival instinct doesn't kick in, because our other instincts are kicking in more. No, see, it's it's a psychology <laughs> thing, devil.
3: Is
1: no, it? yeah, oh, it is. I mean, a woman that's willing to stab somebody in the chest with an ice pick—they're pretty much down <laughs> for anything. So, no. so they're they're not going to say no, no, I'm not going to do that. Now they might stab you in the chest with an ice pick when you're done but if you don't you know cuddle right or whatever but anyway Lori gets home okay and she begins drawing up plans preparing for the events of may 20th she prepares more tainted food she mixes arsenic and water draws it up into a syringe and then uses the syringe to put the poison into juice boxes nice that's that's some cruel-ass shit right there. On the morning of May 20th, Laura, she's very busy, of course, you know, mixing up all her evil brews. She delivers poison snacks and juice boxes to several homes in Winnetka, Highland Park, and Glencoe. Now, this is why we are all suspicious of the neighborhood welcome wagon lady. See? People start showing up at your door. You You don't don't know them. Yeah, they want to give you that starter bread stuff or whatever it is. No, and you know, starter bread, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. That's like the chain mail of food. It is. You're not doing anybody a favor when you give them starter bread. So, ladies, please stop doing that. Now, fortunately, her attempts are clumsy and amateurish. Much like her attempts to poison the frat brothers in Evanston. No one is made ill by her snacks or drinks. Which is, you know, now so they think she's the nice lady bringing stuff over. How could they not get ill? I don't get that.
2: They wouldn't need it. Well, Everything was so nasty, they'd take like one bite and be like, Okay, okay. Nope.
1: Just, Yeah, nope. Nope, never mind. Yeah. Well, when she arrives at the Rush Home to pick up the boys for that trip to the fast, she serves them milk that she has tainted with the arsenic mixture. Jesus. But the boys are like, what the fuck? This, they spit it out on it. It's like cottage cheese. I ain't uh, get this out of here. So they just don't drink it. Now, they pour it in the sink when her back is turned. Their mother, Marion, will be home that day doing chores and prepping for the move while the boys are out with Lori. Now, instead of taking the boys to the fair as promised... She drove to Ravina Elementary School in Highland Park. Now, this location is notable because it's where the children of a former sister-in-law attended classes. Lori launched a firebomb into the building. Jesus H. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Now, think about this. You're just driving down the road, going to the fair, boys, going to the fair. Oh, first I got a firebomb in the school. (laughs) Pit stop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- these kids were like Ferris Bueller. What did you boys do today? Well, we firebombed the school, Mom. We went to the fair. Oh, we went to the fair, and little Bobby, he wa- he wanted a teddy bear. Um, that was, Yeah, that was right after Lori firebombed the school. So anyway, Lori launched this firebomb into the building. She put gasoline into a plastic bag, tossed it right into the building. But fortunately, it was a dud. God, she, she can't get shit right. No. Now, while there was a small fire, it was quickly extinguished and no one was injured. I guess she just never looked up Molotov cocktail. Now, at 9.30 a.m., Dan is at the Young Men's Jewish Council in Highland Park. She attempts to enter the building while carrying a gas can. That doesn't look suspicious at all. But a custodian stops her. Lori... Fled back to her car where the two young boys awaited as she completed her strange errands. These kids gotta be thinking, what in the fuck? Worst baby Mom don't babysitter ever. Mom love us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, Mom. This is, this is worse than when we had Uncle Buck here. <laughs> so anyway, she drove the boys back home. The mother was surprised to find them back so soon, and she was very surprised to find that their clothes were all singed, but... She was in the basement doing laundry when the boys came down to greet her. When the mother attempted to come upstairs, she found that <laughs> it's not funny, man. I know, but it's just like oh, Colonel. She found her... <laughs> God damn.
3: She's like a tornado right she now. Attempted to this little town. To come
1: upstairs, she found that her house was on fire. God.
3: Damn! I bet they don't hire her again.
1: No, you're not going to get a good reference from me. No. Now Lori Dunn had set fire to the stairwell, trapping the mother and sons in the basement. Now they were able to escape the home through a basement window. It's about ten thirty a.m. at this time, and Lori's much like the army. She she does more before before nine a.m. Yeah, than most people do all day. then, Then. than most killers do all day. So anyway, meanwhile, Lori, she's headed to a nearby elementary school, Hubbard Woods Elementary. Now, it's likely that she heard the sirens from the fire trucks racing to put out the fire she'd set in the stairwell as she entered the building. Now, once inside the school, I don't don't understand this. Hold on. I have questions.
3: My first question is, okay, school is in session, clearly, when she goes in there. Why aren't these fucking kids that she just took on her, you know, appetite for destruction tour? Why aren't they in fucking school?
2: I what? didn't see anything about their ages, so it's possible they were like four and five. Maybe they weren't in school too yet. young.
3: Oh my or god!
2: They were getting ready to move, and mom had already pulled them out of school.
3: Maybe and maybe they were too young, but that would. But either, yeah.
2: way, oh, well, no, so
3: either way, well, no, either way, well. Yeah, no, they've they they have got, those memories last a lifetime.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, Best you
3: know, hearts.
1: but, you know, if you're a four or five-year-old kid, this is kind of a, kind of a, it's like, oh, this is some pretty cool shit going on. Because you're like, you know.
2: I love fire. If you're four,
1: five, six, ten years, yeah, you love seeing shit catch on fire. This is, you know, like, ooh, check this out. It's like, you know, the 4th of July. My babysitter's just got fireworks all the time. Well, anyway, Lori heads to the school. And once inside the school, she's carrying a plastic bag containing her handguns. Now, remember how the police told her father that they wanted Lori's guns? He refused to turn over the weapons. But said he would make sure that they were locked up and secure. Well, he wasn't really honest with the popo there. He's a lying motherfucker. Lori have full access to the guns and ammunition, and she had them with her on May 20th at Hubbard Woods. This... Now, she steps into mm-hmm. a washroom and at the school encounters a six-year-old boy, Robert Trossman, and shoots him once, and then drops the gun to the floor and leaves the washroom. Now, obviously, the sound of his gunshots very loud in the school, but no real alarm is raised because who, who is that. assuming right yeah who's thinking that's a gun you know you probably think that something just fell so everyone assumes um, the sound of the report was something other than what it really was now thankfully fellow students will come upon a wounded child and get help for him almost immediately she finds an open door and walks into the classroom where she sits down near the substitute teachers in the middle of a lesson for class and you know, substitute teachers go in knowing they're going to have a hard time. Oh God, I used to substitute teach this. and I
2: hated it so much. I, ugh.
1: I got I, I got to substitute teach one day, ugh. for kindergartners.
2: Oh, that that wouldn't have been too bad.
1: They're like no, puppies. the little, pa- no, <laughs> they're scheming little bastards. <laughs> you know what they did to me? They lied to me. I asked them what time they had to be at lunch. And they said, we have to be down at the lunchroom at quarter till 11. Quarter till 11, I line them up, I take them all down to the lunchroom. Why do you believe the that? The, the lunch better ladies question. are looking at me, yeah. They're looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? What grade was They're this? They're supposed to be here till 12. They were kindergartners. Okay, they so you asked
3: that. a kindergartner what time they were supposed well, to be Well, they went somewhere.
1: to lunch every day. I said, what time do you guys line up for lunch? 11.45. I said, okay. So Who I take them down there. the fuck let you teach, substitute teach? How is that a thing that it happened?
3: Was, oh, the it was an emergency. colonel shaping
2: young minds. I mean, it was what emer- could be yeah, better? It had to
3: have been an emergency. They couldn't find a chimp or another they kindergartner to They were waiting for a substitute
1: teacher to get there. They were waiting for a substitute teacher to get there to ask me because I used to drop my boys off and, and I, you know, had a pretty, I had a job <sighs> where I... I had a flexible schedule. And I said, sure, I'll do it. And I, I get them down there. And you know what? These kids are laughing. So I get back and, and there was another substitute or another kindergarten teacher that I knew very well. Sweet baby Jesus. Was... Well, anyway, so I, li- I I take them back to the room and I'm like, you know what? You guys waste 15 minutes of my time. You ain't going to lunch till 1215. And then the other kindergarten teacher comes in to get me, and she's like, "No, you you can't really do that." Yeah, and I said, "Oh, I can do it." So they waste they they lied to me about fifteen minutes. They get fifteen minutes of punishment. She's yeah, like, "Please, not... Chuck, don't do this. Don't do this." Yeah, and I said, "Nope, they're sitting." And she's like, "Chuck, we're gonna get calls from parents. We're gonna get blah blah blah." So they got the best of me. You can't trust those
3: little. So you got you got bested by kindergartners because you listened to them. Is what I'm getting. You got bested by six year olds. So my takeaway, my takeaway from this is that you should never have contact with children.
1: I'm not smarter than a six year old. Yeah, but they did have one especially problematic child. His name was Bobby. They're always he was. had a.
3: They're always yeah
1: a velcro. They called him a velcro. Um, I velcro aid. You know, one aid that stuck with him all day. Oh. Yeah, because he
3: had behavioral problems. Yeah, yeah. And they had teacher appreciation day.
1: And, you know, so we had a big lunch for the teachers and thing, and but his IA could not go because she had to stay with him. So I'm in the office and I said, you know, go on down there. I'll I'll stay here with Bobby. This is clearly Bobby's before the there were great.
3: There were clearly before any of these things we have now in place. Because now you have to, you know, Go through a background check, and you have to have a badge, and you have to have Get all this shit. So right yeah. now, clearly they're letting everybody. Well, actually,
1: I go I in coached there. for that school, so I'd already had the background and fingerprints done. Sure. So I, but the the teacher, the the aide said, you know, I he doesn't really do well with other people. And I said, you know, just go down, grab your lunch. I'll sit here with him for ten minutes, fifteen minutes, however long it takes you. We'll be fine, won't we, Bobby? And she said, Chuck he will bite you <laughs> i'm out on that one and i said i said no i just looked at him and i said bobby I'm, let me explain something to you son he's in fifth grade so he's old enough to understand us i said i do not work for the school i cannot lose my job if you bite me i will bite you back <sighs> are we under, do we understand each other that's a true story. Shaping and do you line. know me and Bobby sat there for a half an hour and had the best time? So anyway, I digress. But I yes, I glad. have I have taught Sorry. kids in a school situation before. Now, so this substitute teacher, thinking she's going to have an easy day because she's in a good school system, Um, she doesn't understand why Lori is suddenly in her room. And she thinks... At first, that she could be a parent or another staff member. Lori produces the gun and orders the children to move to one side of the room. Then she begins firing, and the substitute struggles with her. Now, this is, this is going a step one step above, you know, trying to get yeah. the gun, stop the shooting, to do something, you know. But Lori shoots during this and kills an eight-year-old boy, Nicholas Corwin and wounds five other students before running out of the building. Now, while Corwin will be the only fatality, the other children who were shot were seriously injured. Now, Lori Dan is in a panic as she drives away from the school. She guides her car, a late model Toyota, at a high speed down a dead-end street. Now, she realizes too late that the road is ending. She loses control of the car and crashes into a tree. Lori steps out of the damaged vehicle, strips off her blood-soaked shorts. Now, speaking of blood-soaked shorts. Tell us about this, Chuck.
3: Huh? Go ahead. I'm listening. What's I'm. That? Tell us. Tell us about <laughs> you know, blood-soaked speaking shorts. Of
1: blood-soaked shorts, all the period panty ads on social media, while I appreciate the sentiment, it's not always a pleasant view as I'm scrolling in my Facebook feed. Jesus I don't Christ. know how those ended up in my feed, but nobody wants I, to see it's, those. It's just bizarre. Eh. Yes, no. Well, anyway, she wraps a plastic bag around her waist because you know she wants to try to uh, she's trying natural, to blend in. I suppose, yeah, try to be casual, so try to blend in. Runs to up to a nearby house where she enters the back door. Inside, she finds Ruth Andrews and a son, twenty-year-old Philip. They take a wild-eyed. Look at half crazy, half naked Lori and tells him that she's been raped and shot her attacker and then the police don't understand. Ruth Andrews was always kind to Lori, comforted her, and even got her a clean pair of pants to wear.
3: God, I hate this lady more and more. I hate Lori Dan more and more and more as we go along.
2: Oh it it yeah, she's hate she's going. She's going to hold them hostage for six hours. Mm. And during that time, she called her parents, and her mother begged her to just turn herself in. Please don't hurt anybody else. Then you can just come home. And Philip, the 20-year-old, even spoke with Edith, Lori's mother, and said, Look, just come over and get Lori. And Edith said, Oh, I can't. I don't drive.
3: So she was crazy, too. Okay. It
2: sounds like it. During one of these phone calls, Philip turns to his mother and like gestures, like, leave, make a run for it. And his mom runs out the door, and Philip runs after her, but Lori comes after them with a gun, and Philip wrestles with her. He's trying to get the gun away, and she shoots him in the chest. And <sighs> he staggers out of the house onto the lawn, and he's seriously wounded. Um, at the time of this shooting, Philip Andrews was a competitive swimmer. He was in phenomenal physical condition. And he will survive the shooting. And after he recovers, he completes his education and joins the FBI. And he spends his entire professional career working to stop violence in schools and communities.
3: Good for him.
2: Yeah. So after shooting Philip in the chest, she runs up the stairs and turns the gun on herself. So the standoff and the strange life of Lori Wasserman Dan are now over. After the shooting police want to interview the Wassermans. They want to talk to Norman and Edith, but the request is denied. The police show up at the house trying to search Lori's bedroom, but the Wassermans only allow them a quick search before they are asked to leave the house.
3: They're so helpful. Oh my Ugh. gosh. It These parents better. are the worst.
2: Um, they clean out her room immediately following her death, either removing, concealing, or destroying any evidence that may have been left behind.
3: Evidence of what? Who cares? She's dead.
2: After the events of May 20th, the Wassermans left Illinois for good and relocated to Florida. And Florida, I'm sorry, but of course they moved to Florida.
3: Yeah. Uh, There they did blend in.
2: Yes. Hmm. Probably in Boca Raton, because remember they have that second home there. Yeah. Um, Lori's former husband, Russell Dan. He believes that he survived a murder attempt at the hands of his soon-to-be ex-wife. He did go on to remarry to a woman named Lori. um, And Russell Dan became an advocate for victims of domestic violence. In an interview with the Chicago Tribune, he said, quote, I was getting attacked, I was being stalked, and people wouldn't take me seriously. It was scary, and I was much stronger than Lori was. I can't even imagine what it must be like to be a woman in that situation.
3: Good for Russell, Dan. Yeah. In
2: 1989, Joel and Linda Corwin, the parents of the little boy that Lori murdered at the elementary school, they sued the Wassermans for damages. They Good. believe that, yeah. They <laughs> believe that the Wassermans' negligence and refusal to seek inpatient mental health treatment for their daughter resulted in the death of their eight-year-old son. So the Wasserman's—I know you guys will be surprised—the Wasserman's lawyered up,
3: yep. and they're
2: trying to avoid any payout and any responsibility. Um, but the courts prevailed. The Corman's eventually agreed to a settlement when they felt that the court made it clear that the Wasserman's were responsible, at least in part, for the events of May twentieth. Lori's parents never spoke to the press. They never spoke to the families they chose to yes. hide behind their lawyers and shield themselves from scrutiny while blocking others from receiving long-awaited answers. The only statement they made came from Lori's father, and it was issued a few days after the events of May 20th, and it said, quote, Mrs. Wasserman and I reach out to all the families and their suffering. We suffer with you. Our prayer is that time will help alleviate the pain.
1: Fuck off. Well, that com- was pretty. That was pretty. Uh, that was pretty shitty. Minimalistic Fuck off. of yeah. them. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Off. Let's let's figure out
3: Fuck the, right the hell absolute
1: off. least we can do. Yeah. Yeah.
2: If families hey. or the community w- wanted an apology or an explanation, it never happened.
3: The explanation: yeah, they- is she's crazy, and she was allowed to run feral, and they kept fucking covering for her and putting and her up her. in places that she shouldn't have been and they can fuck right the hell off and when they get there they can fuck off some more fuck yeah, these motherfuckers
2: the bitch of it is is if she'd actually gotten like serious mental health intervention it's likely she could have led a more normal life
3: yeah but they fucked around with her because well, they, it comes know,
1: down to and they didn't down lack down resources Thing no. that, me and my son have all the time, and you do, uh, obviously you do true crime, so you, you know, have done tons of serial killers and murderers and things like that, is that when you're that, there are some people that, yes, you have to acknowledge the horrible things they've done, but how responsible are they really for it? You know, I mean, really, how responsible are those people for what they've done? The because like Lori, how yeah, would, I I don't know that she could even. It doesn't sound like she was having fun with this stuff. I mean, she was just.
2: You know, she if you, things
1: the gears the gears weren't grinding right upstairs. I agree, no, they and weren't. They were, they were so far
3: off, but she knew right you, from wrong because. She claimed rape. She's, you know, she's done everything. She knew what she did wasn't right. She knew what she did was going to get her in trouble because when she wrecked the car and went into the Andrews house or whatever it was, she claimed rape. She didn't just walk in there and say, hey, guess what? I just shot up a school and now I'm going to hold you hostage.
1: She knew what she did was wrong. Yeah, but that's just a basic instinct
3: for survival. No, she knew what she did was wrong. But her parents are completely responsible. This is a mess of shit that could have been stopped. Well, that's what I mean. Her
1: parents were responsible for that. I I would put much more weight on the parents than I would her.
3: But at thirty,
1: because she should have been locked up somewhere in a secure mental facility.
3: But at thirty some years old, she's a danger
1: to other people. But at thirty some years
3: old, where does she become responsible? Where does she she become responsible for her actions?
2: She can't unfortunately, her mental illness made it impossible for her to view um reality through an appropriate lens. And I'm not defending Lori Dan. What she did was horrible, but I think when you're profoundly mentally ill, your perception of reality is skewed.
3: Well and, and I get that.
2: Profoundly and her dad said he took away the gun and he lied. Yeah, about and that. he didn't.
3: And that's part of the Ugh. thing too, is that she was she was profoundly mentally ill her parents had resources and i get okay she's profoundly mentally ill but her parents had the resources to help her and they didn't and not only did they not she never faced consequences for anything that she did right. because her parents covered everything up so i you know i get that i really do but she's 30 some years old you know she knew things were wrong she did things that she knew was wrong because she tried to cover she tried to cover them up correct so You know, she knew what she was doing was wrong, and she didn't give a shit. There's nothing in her that said, you know what's a good idea? I'm going to go shoot a little boy. But she did it. There's no reason why. There's no reason nothing. She did it. But she knew that wasn't right, or she'd have just killed the kids that were with her.
1: Right. Well, even in – I go back to one of the ones that struck me the most was that we did, we have done on History Dweebs – was Carl Panzram. Now that guy went through some shit. I, that's what I mean. He was a normal, you know, kind mm. of little precocious mm. 12-year-old boy. Mm. Yeah, he was, I mean, up to, up to the time he jumps on that train and, you know, decides to hop a train, and got literally raped by a boxcar full of hobos. Ugh. He wanted to do nothing but kill men the rest of his life. He had a compulsion? I mean, I don't know. You know, it, it, that's that broke him. It, it snapped his brain.
2: But nobody and ever broke Lori. Well, I think Lori started
1: out. Damaged. No, she just was. Yeah, she was just born with. Well, but
3: when you're in high school and your parents go, "Ooh, yeah, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to fix that jaw. We're gonna <laughs> yeah, have to. Those knock. We're gonna have to shave that down a bit and rearrange your face yeah, just yeah. slightly. You're pretty, but you're not never that gonna smart. are going to get a good husband with,
1: yeah. with a B-cup, Lori. You're yeah. going to have to. You're kind of stupid. did her no favors. Not no.
3: That. But I mean, you know, you're kind of stupid, so you need to be pretty. And you're just not there. So, but I mean, think about it when you're in high school and you're 15, 16, you feel like shit about yourself half the time anyway, and then the people that are supposed to love you and care for you say, hmm. Eh. Yeah. Okay. No. But can you okay.
2: imagine, like, your daughter calling you, or someone calling you and saying, "Your daughter's here. She's covered in blood. She's holding us hostage. Come get her." Oh, yeah. And she's like, "Yeah, I oh, don't drive. I don't drive. Call a cab. You know. Yeah. Ride your bike. Walk. Get over here. Like.
3: Or just drive. Because yeah, I yeah. at that point, I don't think that you're gonna. Yeah. I think that we're looking at the well, greater what? good.
1: Getting a call saying, yeah, your daughter keeps pissing on the carpet and sleeping in her car. Oh, and leaving ground meat I mean, in the sofa. Yeah. and leave it. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. My mom would be slapping my head all the way down the hallway. Right. What the hell? I raised you better than that. You know, and um, this woman, she just, get her a different apartment. But, you know, get it, make sure you get a linoleum so we can just wipe it up. Don't get that shag carpet no more.
2: Well, in all the things her parents threw money at, none of it was actually to help her. No. It was like they couldn't see how ill she was.
3: Well, it was to help themselves, because who wants that stigma?
2: Right. So her dad— Well, and
1: this was—go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say her dad passed away in 2006, and her mother, Edith, passed away in 2010. And the three members of the Wasserman family are buried in Shalom Memorial Park in Arlington Heights, Illinois.
1: Ugh. Well, and I think visit. you get it that into those communities where you are you know uh, where you want to pretend everything's all right. Yeah, you, know, you, want to, you want to put in, you want to create a nice facade that you have the normal family and yeah, nothing to see here. Nobody. Well, has a that was really family. what was going on. Well, and now, like me and
3: my friends call those people now like Facebook families. They're mm-hmm. the people that always post. Oh, this is what I'm making for dinner, and it's like this nice plate. Or, you know, I got a girlfriend that, of course, has found Jesus or whatever it is she's doing. I'm calling bullshit. Was and he? She's missing? got these. Well, he was, and evidently she found him. Oh, and it. yeah, yeah. So we're thankful, but you know, and she's got these two little boys, and everything is. Oh, my little boys get along, and oh, my little boys are this, and oh, my prince and my Ugh. king are blah 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 blah. And I'm thinking, you know what? I want to see them fighting. I need to see that because everything with her is, oh, everything's great and fine. And, oh, we're just, you know, this is we're just managing through the Fuck off. Yeah. You know, I'm getting ready to kill every fucker in my house with a penis because they're on my goddamn nerves. Post that shit. That's real. This bullshit is not. So these Facebook fucking parents that just, you know, everything's great. Oh, my kids are wonderful. No, your kids are assholes like everybody else's kids. They're all assholes, and they remain assholes until they're in their twenties.
1: That's just the way it is.
3: Let me see oh, that. And they,
1: no, they stay assholes. I, we were. I was. We was texting. You know. Of course, I've said before the only thing worse than being actually in my family is being part of my family message group. Oh Lord. And uh, and Tanner, my twenty-five-year-old one of the twins says,
3: God, are they 25? He's now? talking
1: about yeah, they're 25 years old. Hashtag old. And he said, uh, mm-hmm. he's, he said, well, the good thing I, I said, are you doing all right? You know, how, you, how are you guys holding up? And tan said, I'm, I'm doing all right. He said, you know, I, I mean, the reality is for the great, great majority of people, you know, if you're under 55, um, it's, you know, It's really not, it's going to make you kind of sick, but you know, you're pretty safe. And I just typed in, I'm 56. And he said, Oh, I was talking about, and he put in capitals, me. Uh, Then he wrote, These are apocalypse rules. You can go fuck yourself. What? (laughs) So, wow. He makes a good point. So, yeah, that's basically how it is with my children. You know, they don't I mean, grow out of being a...
2: No.
3: It just is fucking ridiculous. But anyway,
1: so... But they haven't stabbed anybody with ice picks as far as I that know. That you know. Yeah, Yet. see.
2: Well, and on All a right. serious note, I hope everyone who's listening is doing well, that you're safe, that you're with friends, or if you're sheltering by yourself, you have people to be in contact with
3: you can always be in the group. Yep. Be in contact with the group. There's always somebody there. And, you know, like I said, stay safe, but six feet away from me. Yeah.
1: Six I, feet away. And and it seems to, I'm, I don't know, it seems to be working in Ohio. Does it? So, well, I mean, we're not getting a huge number. Well, we're not testing anybody. Yeah, so, so let's settle have. down. Of course, we're getting a huge yeah. number. Uh, but we're not hearing dance. from our hospitals that we don't have equipment and we don't have you know things like that, so we're actually today. going
2: to sew uh, masks today, cloth masks, and you
1: should, yeah. And I was going to ask you. I saw you that you put that on Facebook. Facebook. What do you? Uh, what do you? What do you use? What material are you using to do that? Use a bra cup, girl. Use a bra cup.
2: <laughs> um, we're actually they just don't, using they don't breathe cotton. Them. Shh. I had some cotton scraps from some of the girls' projects, and we're just going to put together some masks. And, uh, you know, if we go out, because I'm a face toucher, I'm constantly with the allergies right now. My eyes always itch. My nose is running. It's super sexy. Um, but hopefully having a mask on <sighs> when I go to the grocery store or, or to the pharmacy will help me not touch my face.
1: I oh. did not realize how much—actually, or actually I didn't realize how little throughout the day— I wash my hands. Ew, ew. I, no, I. I mean, you go to the bathroom. Obviously, you wash your hands. You're getting ready to eat lunch. You wash your hands. You know what I mean. You get into that habit. But then when you get into this, you know, yesterday um, there's there's a, a little restaurant that me and my son love. It's a little kind of like diner type place. Mm, diner. Yeah, and there's they're staying open for carryouts, right? Yeah, and. And they make, it's a Greek restaurant, but they make this Greek pizza that is the best in the world. Mm, so, you know, in, in, in hoping that they're going to be all right, I order two pizzas from them, you know, to pick them up to go. And you realize that, you know, you get home, you take the bags that the other, you know, all the food's in. You throw away you know, and as soon as I get back in my car and, and as I get in there, there's three other people waiting for carry out, and they're all spaced out about ten feet apart and then you you get home and it makes you so cognizant of things that you take all the bags, you throw them away, and then you wash your hands because you've touched something that might you know have touched something, and then you put the food, you get the food all ready to eat, and then you go wash your hands again, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, so you realize that, you know, you, normally throughout the course of the day, you wash your hands, you know, four or five times, and now you've gotten to where you're washing your hands 20, 25 times in a day. Yeah. And, and it's almost like it was, we talked about people with OCD, but this is, yeah, this is, you know, to survival keep you
2: alive. Yeah.
1: to keep you alive. Yeah. But we're in but the apocalypse. But you don't really realize how many how many things you you kind of learn you know you hit the elevator button with your elbow you hit door knobs with your elbow people at work know that you know in brandy's office my office there's nothing you can't tell me that you can't tell me from the doorway yeah. you know don't don't come over to my desk that's my general there's role. no reason for that wait yeah.
2: Bra- i thought brandy had snacks on her desk so you'd have to like sneak no brandy in has my my office. shelves
1: in her office brandy has bookcases and shelves that's, that she yeah. keep snacks in. So if we got a whole I lot have a cupboard. There, we're going to be pretty good.
3: Yeah, I have a cupboard. Excellent. I know. It's kind of a big deal. I have file cabinets and stuff, but that's not the point. So everybody, rest assured that Chuck and Tim and I are doing the Lord's work because we are going to work every day. Thank you. And we are. Yes, we are. Yes. You're there. I don't know what you're I'm acting like. Yes. Most of the we're? time. We go to work every day, and we'll continue to do this podcast every Sunday for the most part. If Chuck shows up, so I mean, we're we're like the, you, like you mentioned earlier, we're like the USO. We're just doing our part to make sure that everybody has something that they can distract themselves with. On
1: we a, like to think what the, the the podcast version of FEMA, yes.
3: <laughs> and and on another note, I was started watching the Netflix thing about the Tiger Guy. Yeah, very entertaining, very interesting. So if you get a chance, definitely watch it because it's it is something else. I started to watch the pandemic thing no. uh, and, and it freaked me out so bad that I stopped watching it because it just freaked me out.
1: So I'm I'm burning through almost a book a day. So Dr. Seuss I did books not don't think count. I could actually know more. Dr. I did not think I actually had brain capacity to put more knowledge up here. But, yeah, I'm going through about a book a day. Super wow. sweet. So. I'm going all right, through about a bottle a day. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cheers. All right, guys. So, thank you. All right, well, thank you for being thank on you, the show, everyone. Miss Instead. Yes, thank and you, Nina. And we will you. see you soon. Yes. Yes. And everybody stay safe. Yes. Please. Stay
3: safe, everybody. And we'll see you next time on History Dweebs. Bye bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.